it does the sort of and then it goes into like some other stuff. Today on From A to Ziggy, Aladdin Sane opens parenthesis 1913-1938-1970 question mark close parenthesis. Hello and welcome to From A to Ziggy. This is the podcast in which we listen to every David Bowie song in alphabetical order from A to Ziggy. I'm Thomas. I'm Travis. And today we're discussing Aladdin Sane, open parenthesis, 1913-1938-1970, question mark, close parenthesis, also known as Aladdin Sane, from the album Aladdin Sane, uh, 1973, and it's the opening song of that album, right? It's the second song. Second song on the album. That's right. So It feels like it should be the first song. It does seem like an opening an opening track. In part because this is one of those exciting songs that we get to talk about that signals kind of a tonal shift for David Bowie. Precisely. Well, it's also kind of a follow-up to uh, the Ziggy persona. The whole Aladdin Sane cracked actor kind of thing follows up Ziggy as he's kind of burnt out and wearied of fame and fortune, you know, ready to snuff it, but still finds himself part of this strange, post-apocalyptic, decadent world, desperate for some sort of relief. What is Aladdin saying about, actually? It is based on... It was inspired uh, by a book, right? Yes, it was uh, inspired by uh, Evan Lenoir's uh, Vile Bodies, which was later filmed as Bright Young Things, which is a phrase that appears in the song. This is, this is courtesy of the wiki, so I don't get... I guess Wikipedia can't really sue you for citing them. No, it's public domain. Yeah, it's all public. Okay. Yeah. So it's but, common uh, knowledge. It's just common knowledge. And it's, uh, it says it, that Bowie saw in Waugh's story of frivolous, decadent, and silly behavior on the eve of imminent catastrophe, a reflection of contemporary society, particularly in America. But basically it's about these two, about people who are going off to war, and they, I believe the phrase that was used in here was they just, it's like they wanted screw and go kill people i think it was it was like i have a quote from bowie about his sort of it's not really a synopsis but his summary of what it's about he said the book dealt with london in the period just before a massive imaginary war and people were frivolous and decadent and silly and suddenly they were plunged into this horrible holocaust they were totally out of place still thinking about champagne and parties and dressing up somehow it seemed to me that they were like people today. That's Bowie, interviewed in 1973. Which, I'm glad that's not at all still relevant. <laughs> yeah, a theme right. to use in a song. Um, that was the first thing that popped into my brain, was like, that's kind of... I can be a little bit of a doom and gloom person when it comes to the realities of the world around, which is a byproduct, as I'm told of the people who live with me, of the fact that I watch a lot of news. So oh. I tend to be someone who's like, oh, everything's awful, we're all going to die. Yeah, the news is the worst. Yeah, and it's it's that same feeling of like all... Popular culture is mostly about just the party. And then there's the very always very real possibility that we're going to be plunged into death and darkness. Well, um, a lot of Bowie's stuff deals with this kind of near-apocalypse, post-apocalypse situation like diamond dogs is like this weird post-apocalyptic science fiction thing this is also sort of a science fiction thing and that's what science fiction does is it focuses on 
like aspects of society you want to put under the microscope and just speculate about where they would go if they went to extremes. Uh, we made it. Spoiler, yeah. Here we are. <laughs> We're about to find out. <laughs> so this song, yeah, is is inspired by the uh, novel by Evelyn Waugh. So I guess Aladdin Sane is is on his way to war. Is that what the lyrics are pointing at? And and he's sort of going off, not like reluctantly, but he's like he's thinking of that as part of the party. You know, uh, he's got a bunch of dead roses in his hands. And they're like, hey, go, you'll make it. Um, and who will love Aladdin Sane? He's got battle, battle cries around him and champagne coming up. You know, maybe he's raided some enemies, like wine cellar or something. Um, but it's all a big party. He'll uh, end up in Paris or, you know, or maybe hell. And that's, that's the life of, like a, of a soldier in this situation, I guess. But he's still like a sad character. He's, he's a lad insane. If this is a crazy world. It's hard to stay sane. Yeah. In it. I don't know if it's partying, living in excess in spite of the chaos around you, or living in decadence to cope with the chaos around you. Yeah, maybe a little of both. Yeah. It's open for interpretation. You know, what I really want to do is, whenever one of these songs alludes to a novel or something, I want to be able to read the novel in time to discuss it, because <laughs> I don't want to feel like a poser discussing a, a book that I haven't read. The thing about that is next, uh, in on a future episode, we're going to be discussing one that alludes to uh, Thus Spake Zarathustra by <laughs> Nietzsche. And so I've got to read that in the next seven days. Um, so yeah, I've not, I haven't read this, this book, but I can imagine it reminds, it kind of reminds me like that just the premise of it kind of reminds me of another really depressing, hey, if you like doom and gloom, really depressing novel from around the same era. On the Beach, which they also made into a movie with, uh, I think, Gregory Peck. Yeah, and it's about people in Australia who are like stuck there after the final nuclear holocaust has completely wiped out the northern hemisphere. And this cloud of irradiated air is just descending upon the southern hemisphere. And Australia is the last place where human beings are able to live. And they're just waiting for this cloud to to descend upon yeah them. man that's dark that's real dark <laughs> yeah the 50s man was a dark dark time period although this this yeah vile bodies came out in 1930 so that's even that's even before world war ii which reminds me there's the parenthesis in the title is 1913 1938 1970 question mark so those are the three years preceding the well, so the first two are the years preceding the outbreaks of the world wars. And so the 1970 question mark is like this ominous portent. Yeah, like he was basically, yeah, saying that, hey, maybe World War Three is coming. So probably it, now it should be called Aladdin, say, 1913, 1938, 1970 question mark, 2000 question mark. Yeah, we might. Are we already in World War Three? Not Technically, I don't think so. Gone and we, didn't I don't notice. Like <laughs> we were or... we were way too busy watching Pizza Rat and totally missed World War Three. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess you can be an optimist from this song that David Bowie was wrong that Vietnam did not lead to World War Three. So, so there's that. That's good. 
So this is such a ah, such a fascinating song because not only the lyrics, but musically also a very interesting song. It was described by David Bowie's biographer David Buckley as the album's pivotal song, shifting him into more you know experimental music. Said that at the time of its release, Aladdin Sane was the clearest indicator of how Bowie was trying to free himself from the confines of rock. It's, it's really hard to appreciate the context of a record when you're listening to him way after the fact. You're not living it in, you know, in the time that it's happening. So you're not really feeling the impact. So like anytime I can, something can kind of like drive it into my life experience to make me appreciate it more. It just like really resonates. And that just really, it reminded me a lot of basically this being David Bowie's Kid A or Kid A being Radiohead's Aladdin Sane more accurately. And it was, yeah, his first real, since he had broken through the mainstream, first real evolution going from Ziggy Stardust into the Aladdin Sane. Yeah, it, and well, how about I, how about this? Aladdin Sane, going with the Radiohead analogy, I'd, I'd call Aladdin Sane Bowie's OK Computer. Huh. Because he still has... Mick Ronson. Mick Ronson. Yeah, yeah and there is guitar. still some kind of glam rocky songs on there. Gene Genie is yeah. glam rocky as hell. Yeah, yeah. touche. Definitely way more of an OK like, Computer. It's leading towards all the the weird experimentation that yeah. is going to come later on with low low i would call definitely more like his his kid a or radiohead's low is kid a or something yeah that makes per yeah which would then lodger would be amnesiac yeah or heroes could be yeah heroes is amnesiac lodger is lodger is hail Hail the the thief Right, and then there's all the albums that I haven't heard. <laughs> yeah, I haven't really, I haven't really listened to them much since Hail to the Feet. I don't know. Well, I do have. I, I occasionally listen to In Rainbows. I have it. It's good. It's um. Some of it feels kind of like parts of it feel jazzy, which I kind of like. I feel like the rhythm section is really more on display in that record. Yeah, they've got a really good drummer. I had I had an idea for a a remix for this remixed remix competition that they had once, but I'm not going to talk about it. I'm just going to say that I was going to do it and that I didn't. So this is, yeah, like you were saying, like it's the start of his break with rock. Is that how that was? So the quote about him wanting to escape the confines, it, it just reminded me of this quote from when Kid A came out. This quote about how like in order to survive, Radiohead had to kill rock and roll. And maybe at that time, that was kind of how David Bowie felt. It was like in order to keep sustaining this career and keep going, I need to break away from rock and roll and do something more timeless. Maybe he felt that the time of Glam's time was coming to an end and he wanted to leave the party before the party left him. Which was wise because then you, you've got people like uh, Gary Glitter and uh, what was that guy's name that was so awful? Ah, there was this awful guy that looked like a Glam Elvis and he sang bass. It, it sounded just like his, his big single was like a ripoff of T-Rex. Shoot, I can't remember the guy's name. You're talking about Todd Rundgren? <laughs> No. I was like, he's not that bad. <laughs> but that just kind of planted the scary thought that if David Bowie had stayed glam rock, the next evolution from glam rock was hair metal because that's kind of the direct descendant. Like if David Bowie didn't break out of glam rock and shifted like, if he hadn't gone Aladdin Zane, Thin White Duke, and on and on and on. And there's an alternate universe where David Bowie ended up playing like 80s hair metal cock rock. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, <laughs> hold that thought, and when we get to all the young dudes, uh, bring it back up again. Yeah. Uh, un unfold your hands and let that thought free again.
because I want to talk about that. Hair metal. Yeah. God. Although I, I do, I, I, I shouldn't completely disavow hair metal because I do like some hair metal. No, no, no problem. I'll do all the disavowing for you. <laughs> don't have to worry about it. I, I don't like all of it. Some of it is, I am more than happy to make fun of. So that reminds me, I just saw a video on Facebook of uh, the monkeys mashed up with uh, Iron Maiden. What was it? I'm a believer mashed up with uh, the soldier. I'm a sucker for a good mashup video. Oh yeah, it's a good one. That's where I need. To, that's where I should stop myself. I'll turn this into a 45 minute recommendation of great mashup videos. <laughs> <laughs> Most of them involving the Muppets. Leave a comment on fromadoziggy.com. But uh, yeah, I guess we should make our way back to the music. Yeah, right. So because there's some really great piano to talk about. Yeah. So this is a showcase for the pianist that Bowie had just picked up, Mike Garson. I think he, the story is he found Garson in a jazz club in New York City and picked him up for his U.S. tour, and then he had him recording on this record. I would have loved to see these interactions in the studio where basically they're laying down a song, and the song itself is very simple, and Bowie told him to play a solo on it. And because he had just met him, he just started playing like a standard blues piano solo, and then, so they stopped, and Bowie's like, no, that's not what I want. And so he started playing more of a Latin solo, and Bowie's just like, no, play that avant-garde stuff. Like, that's what I want to hear. And Carson was just like, are you serious? Because, you know, the quote was, because you might not be working anymore. Because, <laughs> you know, popular radio is not looking for avant-garde yeah, this piano. Is not, this is not the kind of stuff you picked up on rock records and yeah. pop records. Because it's, it's some, something that doesn't seem to fit in. At first, I mean, it doesn't fit in at all, and that's why it's you know it is as renowned as it is. And just imagine how challenging it must have been at that time, because like we're of the generation where we're more used to music, you know, listening to stuff kind of in the background where we're doing things. Like most of my experiences of listening to this album have been either in a car or at home while I'm cooking or hanging out with friends or whatever. Whereas you know when this album came out, you know you're probably putting on some headphones or just sitting there and just listening to it. Just like, that's just what you're doing is you're just hanging out and listening to Aladdin Sane. And I have to try to digest that as a young music fan. It had to be an intense experience and it really speaks to the guts of what David Bowie was doing, especially at that time. Yeah, it's easy for you and me to sort of take for granted that there's this song with this long... Uh, piano solo at the end of it because we came of age, you know, 20 years musically, 20 years after this came out. People have been doing things inspired by that. So, like, you know, by the time I was listening to this album, I'd already been listening to alt rock for years and years and years. So, listening to a steady bass line while something is meandering all over the place. Oh, so this is why the Pixies do this kind of thing. Right. Whereas this, Aladdin Sane, was, you know, something new. What the hell's going on here? Is David Bowie trying to kill his career? What What is this nonsense? Right. Which, kind of, he was getting ready to do. So yeah, this is a really amazing solo. And it kind of is reminiscent of uh, Gershwin, uh, An American in Paris. Um, or was it Rhapsody in Blue? I think it's Rhapsody in Blue. I've never really heard that part. I mean, it's, I don't know if it's a particular quotation or if it's just like a general thematic thing. But I can definitely hear the quotation of tequila. And 
there's one part where uh, where Bowie starts quoting on Broadway, uh, the '60s song. So it's it's this whole pastiche. It's like this whole collage of pop culture references. It's like the Quentin Tarantino movie of piano solos. There you go. Uh, pull quote for that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, you like the Kinks, don't you? I do like the Kinks. So speaking of uh, pop culture references, in some versions of Aladdin Sane that he performed live in ni- like 1996, he would actually put All Day and All the Night into uh, the song. That is awesome. Uh, which you, it might be worth uh, tracking down a recording of to try to hear. Um, we'll try to put one up on Facebook or on the comments page. What else can we say about Aladdin Sane? Um, oh, so maybe you should tell the people about your awesome Aladdin Sane inspired accessory. Oh man. Yeah. Well, so I got for, uh, for Christmas this past Christmas, my girlfriend gave me, uh, the coolest keychain that I've ever seen. And it's Bowie's face. I'm going to hold it up for all of you to see. (laughs) (laughs) So this is it. Yeah. It's Bowie's face from, uh, the Aladdin Sane cover. So for any millennials who are listening to this, which probably aren't, the Aladdin Sane cover is what your friend's profile pictures looked like when they changed them after David Bowie died. For those of you who are wondering what that was all about. Right. With the, uh, the lightning bolt logo over his face and the big red mullet. Yeah, and so I got this. I call it my Aladdin chain because I love it so much. Yeah, so she gave me this for Christmas and I loved it. And this was, of course, before uh, David Bowie had died. And I started wearing it just to show it off at work. And then Bowie died, and I kept on wearing it. I was just going to wear it for like a week or so after he died. And then he died, uh, and I just sort of held on to it as a sort of nostalgic thing. Um, it's a pretty awesome keychain. It's a pretty cool thing. It's, it's a, so it was my piece of flair for work. <laughs> that reminds me of... Uh... Sometimes, like when I'm working, one thing that kind of like keeps me sane is like when there's a really long line, if someone walks in and they have like a really cool t-shirt on, like a a band I like or something, it's like, all right, I can like get like 30 seconds of dorking out about a band to kind of distract myself from the monotony of customer service. And so I walked in wearing a David Bowie Aladdin Zane shirt. I was like, I'm going to get to talk about David Bowie with someone today. That's awesome. And then I looked up a little bit further and I realized it was just my girlfriend. I was like, God damn it. Like... (laughs) Talk to her about David Bowie whenever I want. <laughs> uh, life in a small town. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, cool keychain. I should maybe I should start wearing it again. Um, just like to advertise the podcast. Oh, and if you see me on Facebook, you'll see the Aladdin chain as my profile picture, of course. Let's see anything else we can say about Aladdin Sane? Wow, I, I think we covered all. This is gonna be a marathon episode. People would people have to like make a snack. Yeah, for right. this one. So we should rate Aladdin Sane. Who is going to love Aladdin Sane? Well, Everyone. I'll, yeah, I'll tell you, I do. Uh, for one, I love Aladdin Sane. I, I love it so much, I would give it five world wars. I agree. I will also give this song five world wars. All right. So uh, uh, that puts it in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, so far this is the highest rated, most meaty discussion inspiring Bowie song so far. Aladdin Sane, MVP. Aladdin Sane. So, so I guess we'll wrap it up. Um, All right, yeah, let's wrap this up. Yeah. 
Um, so you can find this gem of an episode and other episodes that you're inspired to listen to after listening to this gem of an episode on from a to ziggy.com. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at from a to ziggy. You can find us on Facebook from a to ziggy. Leave comments. Uh, if there is a David Bowie song that you would love to talk about and it, we haven't talked about it yet, you should message us on one of those forums and do that. Email us at podcast at from a to ziggy dot com if you have any other comments at all or like long form ramblings or uh, spam that you want to send us, uh, send it there. That's going to do it for Aladdin Sane. Um, all. <laughs> all. Uh, I guess there's no real way to segue this one. Know, so. All. all s- Aladdin Sane kind of reminds me with the red hair and the makeup of, of Halloween, right? Mm. Uh, which is, yeah. of course, All Saints Eve. Uh, so after <laughs> All Saints Eve comes All Saints. So, right? So after you finish up with this Halloween episode, on this very special Halloween episode <laughs> of February, uh, join us for All Saints here on From A to Z. Goodbye. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's it's just just this whole. All right, all right. <laughs> Thank you, cats, for. That's good because I didn't know where I was going with that. It's okay because now our podcast has cats on it, and nothing gets more popular on the internet than stuff with cats on it. So we fulfilled our cat quota for this episode. Oh, uh, those cats are going to be superstars. Yeah.